eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast. Talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some beast talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 272 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. The NHL All-Star break has come and gone. Bridget and Scott, when is the Bruins' first game back from break? Ooh, yeah, Thursday. apparently Thursday. Apparently not Tuesday. Yeah, no, they had a bit of a no-show at the Garden on Tuesday against the Flames. They lose 4-1. to one. Not a whole lot of good to take away from that game. Nonetheless, Bridget and Scott, we will still have opening shifts, so let's get right to them. Can I yeah, go so, Oh, yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay, mine. Uh, it's real quick, Scott, so we'll get to you in about 10 seconds. Um, my opening shift is just blah. Like, that was just the most blah game I've watched in a long time. And Scott and I were up. I was in the second period. I was like, this is the most boring second period I've watched in forever. And he was like, no, this whole game has been like that. So, I mean, just blah, meh. That's, that's my opening shift. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. leaving the garden. I was like, I don't even know what we're going to talk about tomorrow. It's just, it was just so meh. Hey, at least we did get one great game at the garden this week. For people not oh, watching God, on YouTube, I'm, <clears throat> I'm pointing at my BU hat. Uh, BUBC and the Beanpot was great. Yeah, Bruins Flames, not so much. It um, almost wasn't great though. Like it was, it started out all BU, and then all of a sudden, BC was like, oh yeah, there's a game tonight, and uh, they almost upset scott he was up on the ninth floor just losing his mind yeah i mean macklin celebrini really kind of showed there were a lot of eyes on that weekend home and home series yeah i think he scored in the final minute of the second game but he wasn't really i wouldn't say he was dominant uh he wasn't you didn't watch him in that weekend series and be like oh yeah he's like the future first overall pick in the nhl he just looked like a really good player out there but in that beating pot semifinal game it was yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's better than all the rest. Yep, you got, you got a freshman line of first-rounders on, on BC, and you, and they they aren't at his level. 
even them. Yeah, and then he swears on <laughs> the live TV. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that second that second goal was 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 insane. No, no, no goal is is stopping that. Yeah, and like he he had a couple chances like that in that weekend series too, and just didn't bury them. But it's like you can only give him so many of those before he's going to. Like it's just it's going to be inevitable at some point. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, unfortunately, we we do have to talk about the Bruins more more than the Bean Pot here. So uh, my my opening shift uh, ties into I, I think. Certainly one of the main takeaways from that game and, you know, something that a lot of the social media conversation has centered around was the lack of physical response from the Bruins after Brad Marchand got cross-checked in the face by Martin Pospisil, who was ejected from the game, five-minute major game misconduct. Uh, and then was also high, Marchand was also high-sticked later in the game, a um, little cut above his lip. That was by Mackenzie Wieger. And for me, like, okay, sure, maybe you wanted the Bruins to be more physical. Pospisil got ejected from the game. It's not like you really had a chance to do anything there. Weger sitting in the box for four minutes. You can't get immediate revenge there. Where you can really get revenge is on the scoreboard because you got – it ended up being a three-minute power play on the Pospisil one instead of five uh, because Martian was also called for a slash before he got cross-checked. But you get that power play. They do absolutely nothing with it. Didn't even, like, create any good looks. Um, and then the the high stick gives them a five-on-three. They do score on the five-on-three, but they still have three and a half minutes left on the double minor after that. Great chance to tie the game. And instead, what happens? They get a too many men in the ice penalty. There goes the rest of that power play. Huberto scores on the on the four on four, and now it's three one, and the Flames are running away. Like it's it just the that kind of just summed up the game where the Bruins are just shooting themselves in the foot. And even when the Flames seemed determined to give them an opening to get back in the game, they just couldn't take advantage. And you can you can chalk it up to first game out of break if you want, but I don't really think that's much of an excuse because the Flames have the same exact break and they also have to travel. So. Um, you know, maybe that explains the start, but it doesn't explain all six minutes. Well, and I think that sometimes it is easier for the road team though, after a break, because it's like, okay, this is a business trip. And like the guys that are at home have just gotten comfortable and like, you know, came back from Florida or the Bahamas or, and they were like in this relaxed mode and there was nothing to like spring them back into business mode. But like when you get all your stuff packed together and you get on a plane it's like, this is a business trip. Sometimes it is easier for the road team when things start back up. Um, that's just what I've heard from a bunch of people. And also the, the, the Marshawn getting hit in the face twice thing. Fluto asked him after the game and, and Marshawn thought that he was joking because Fluto was like, where did we get you in the face? And he was like, can't you see? Cause his nose was all like bloody and like his lip was bleeding. And like, I know he's like, no, really. And he's like, he, it was his mouth, but um, yeah, Marshawn's whole face was not, and I've gotten into a, the bad habit of asking players after the game, how's your face? So I didn't want to ask this time, but like Matt Potro, when he had his nose, like bleeding everywhere and, uh, DeBrusque, when he had stitches in his chin, I just like in the scrum, like, how's your face? Um, so I was like, I can't do that again. Yeah. <clears throat> so of course, any, any time, you know, guys are, 
you know, scraping aloe vera out of their elbow pads after a vacation, you, you kind of question maybe if it's going to be a good game or not. And Scott, I like what you said. Like, obviously, it, it could potentially explain the start, but not the whole 60 minutes. It was definitely a concern of mine uh, because it took a break, uh, the Christmas break for the Bruins to snap out of a, a funk that they were in. And they were playing phenomenal hockey in the time since then. And I was a little bit weary heading into the All-Star break that – it could potentially be uh, the opposite effect where now they have a break and it's going to you know, affect their momentum that they created. End of the day, it's February, so they have time to – it's about, again, it's about creating that momentum again by the time April comes around. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty lackluster effort all the way around. Um, my, my, my opening take is um, I'm curious as to where you guys feel the lines may have sh- – should have if you uh, were comfortable with the lines that Montgomery went with last night out of the All Star break because the game before uh, the All Star break they played in Philadelphia and that game you saw JVR with Zaka and Pashnak and Pashnak it was one of those games where he was like yeah I'm one of the best players in the world I'm gonna do whatever I want and Zaka and Van Riemsdyk played well alongside with him and the reason that they were together was because of some injuries up front I think uh, Jake DeBrusque may have been out that game and maybe uh, a couple of others, but anyway, so against Calgary, Montgomery kept Van Riemsdyk, Zaka, and Pashnak together, which meant Marshand with Coyle and DeBrusque. Marshand, Coyle, and Pashnak were playing really well as a line, I felt, uh, the couple of weeks leading into the All-Star break. I'm curious if you guys feel like maybe that would have been a better lineup coming out of the break, or if you don't really care, it's, it, it is what it is. It's a, it's a long season. They're just jumbling the lines again. Yeah, I, going into it, I would have thought either way was fine. So, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna second guess myself because I I would have thought whatever he chooses is fine. Both are playing well. Like, it's hard to argue against keeping Ben Reemsdyke, Zaka, Pasternak together when they just had a game where, or you know, I say just, I mean a week ago, had a game where they literally scored on four straight shifts. Um, You know, I I absolutely understand the temptation to keep that together and see if maybe they can sort of keep that magic rolling. Um, You know, he ended up changing lines uh, like midway through the second period anyways, because obviously they had nothing going offensively. I, I don't think the line change helped. I, I don't think anything would have helped on this night. Honestly, like this is one of those games where, yeah, you know, lineup combinations always matter to an extent, but this was just like a team-wide, to use Bridget's word, blah. Like just, just a total breakdown across the board. No one had it. I I don't think you'd be hard-pressed to highlight anyone who had a good game. I mean, I guess I noticed like Jacob Lauko had a, a few good shifts and, and at least seemed to have some energy. But even that's like a little bit of a stretch. Even Swayman was off, especially – the, the fourth goal he gives up, like the, the one that really ends the game, essentially, is just it's a soft backhander from a low angle from Noah Hannafin, and, and somehow he gets no beat, one, like, no one even knew it went in because it was just like such a random shot, and then it it squeezed right through him. It like it, it just snuck its way in, and and even like the broadcasters were like, "Oh, it's in," and I'm pretty sure that. No, there was no reaction from the fans either. Like usually the fans would be like, oh, it was like there was nothing. I was like, nobody had any idea that puck went in, but it should have been stopped. Yeah. 
So. By, the, by the way, guys, not to like distract from what we're talking about, but I'm I still cannot figure this out. Um, what, <laughs> what people don't know is that I got delivered flowers like literally as we were about to start recording this. They're right here. Um, if you're watching on YouTube. And I have no idea who sent me this or why. Because it's not Valentine's Day yet. And I do not have a boyfriend. <laughs> um, and it's spelled wrong. It's spelled P-R-O-X-L. It wasn't Melvin, was it? I mean, maybe. Is there a couple um, paw prints on there? <laughs> there's nothing. Wait, is there an, an inside? There's nothing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. Who sent me these? I don't know. Did any it, of you send me these? Oh yeah, I was gonna say it could could be a listener, it could be you know a YouTube commenter. Like, like usually I get flowers like if I was like in the hospital or like if I had a boyfriend, which I don't. Um, so these are a mystery, but they're they're lovely. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it was Don's weenie. Bridget, <laughs> yeah, also, Bridget also got a, a sunflower at the Bruins game Tuesday yes, night for uh, for women in sports night. Oh, I should have put that down here with it. I wasn't yeah. expecting it though. Sorry, I got, I'm still just. I'm gonna spend the rest of the day trying to figure out what who this is from. So. I mean, on, honestly, it's more interesting than that Bruins game. So it really is. Okay, so <laughs> I don't feel that and, bad. And Scott's Jekyll and Hyde fandom with with with, with Creed, I think, is also more <laughs> interesting than the than the game. Um, yeah, this, this wasn't it. This was one of the most random pre-podcast discussions that we had had. Yeah. Yeah, because it started with Brian randomly bringing up Creed and asking Scott if he was a fan and then being very disappointed that Scott said, no, not anymore. Then my doorbell rang. My dog freaked out. Flowers showed up. I don't mm. know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what it was. Like, I just had some sort of like voice in my head that just said, ask Scott if he likes Creed. There was no <laughs> there was no thought that went into it. There was no, it literally, I had a thought and I asked it. I spoke on it. And uh, we started talking about, Super Bowl performances and Rihanna being pregnant and killing it last year, but I don't know, whatever. Okay. And, and the answer, because I'm, I'm sure listeners are just dying to know, is that I, I can't say I'm really a Creed fan, but I'm not. I'm also not a hater. Like Creed's one of those bands where, I, like, along with Nickelback, where it's like people want to hate them, love to hate them, and it's like that to me is even more annoying than people who like love them. It's like, it's like whatever. Like who who cares? If, if people like them, that's fine. I, I can't say they're they're my cup of tea, but um, you know, yeah, I'm not I'm not, I'm not freaking out if higher comes on. Like, I, 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 I'll well, see, yeah, that. Like, yeah, I see. I was just gonna say, like, if anybody says they don't like Creed and they're by themselves in the car and that comes on, I guarantee the windows are going down, the music, the, the radio is going up. So, and you can't tell me otherwise. Everybody's a closeted Creed fan. Well, I'm a I'm a I, I proudly admit that I'm a Creed fan. You can change your opening shift if you like to <laughs> everyone's a closeted Creed fan. But. Well, so uh, stemming on, I, I want to get to the defense as well um, because the, you know, a lot of times this, this Bruins offense starts from the back end and, and last night was not a good showing for anybody in the team. And I, and there's some, there's some personnel issues last night on the, on the blue line that there's injuries and whatnot, but I want to get to the defense. But before I do, um, I'm looking at the lines that the Bruins put out last night and the third line was Lauko with um, Frederick and Geeky. I'm, I'm curious. Do you guys feel like that's the one line right now on, on the Bruins where I look at somebody and I say they're clearly like playing higher in the lineup, right? 
and that's Jacob Loco. And not, nothing, no disrespect to him. I I don't believe he's a third liner. Certainly not right now. And I'm curious, do you feel like there's a again before it's before it's springtime, should the Bruins find a way to like call up Fabian Lysel for like a couple of games just to throw him on a third line left wing and see if he can just like do anything for a game or two? Is is that wasted asset management? I, I don't see the harm in that. If if Luck was gonna be in your third line left wing, why not put Lysel there for a couple of games? I don't know if the cap allows it or I don't know. That just popped into my head as well. Yeah, that, that's a possibility. What I would say is even more of an immediate possibility, assuming his injury isn't too, too serious, is plugging Potter in on that line. Frederick left wing, geeky right wing. And that there's a third line like I would like to see them take a look at. And, um, you know, our, our last episode during, you know, last week during the break, was a mailbag and we actually got several more questions uh, after we recorded. I think we probably weren't entirely clear on when questions were, were due. So we'll take some blame there. But um, one of them from Mark was, was all about Patra and kind of where he slots in. Is he going to be stuck on the fourth line? Do you have to move him up? Well, Jim Montgomery talked about Patra um, after Tuesday's morning skate and was asked, you know, Okay, when he does come back, because he's still dealing with a little bit of a of a nagging injury, um, you know, is it like you put him on the fourth line and he has to work his way up? And Montgomery, I think really for the first time in a while, said, well, ideally it's not the fourth line. Ideally it's a little higher in the lineup and a little more of an offensive situation. And that was immediately what I thought is like, Okay, right now you have Lauko on the third line. Ryan, you're right. That's a line higher than he probably should be. That's immediately what I thought. It's like, well, that's where you put Padre. If you want to try to get Padre a little higher in the lineup anyways, there's a, a clear opening. And, and I know Morgan Geeky has played well as a center, but I think he makes that switch to wing pretty seamlessly. Um, having both him and Frederick with Padre really helps with a lot of that defensive responsibility. It doesn't have to be all Patra, you know, coming down low in the defensive zone all the time. So I would like to see that uh, when he returns to the lineup, whether that's Thursday or Saturday, you know, I guess we'll, we'll probably get more information um, after Thursday's morning skate, the Bruins are completely off on Wednesday. So there won't be any update then, but um, even before you know, I, I do think Lysel could get a look at some point because he's been playing really well in Providence. Uh, he's kind of been on a bit of a heater there. I know, you know, people probably stop paying attention a little bit after those critical comments from Ryan Mujanel, but that was now a couple months ago at this point. And Lysel's, you know, really kind of turned things around and gotten going since then. Yeah, and uh, Georgie Merkelov just came off uh, the AHL All-Star game. Um, so uh, he's been still doing pretty well. But I, I want to talk about Patra being on that line and, and uh, Frederick Patra geeky line, I think actually has some decent potential. You're, really, that's a line of three centers um, because Frederick was a center in college, can play center defensively. He um, is very solid and, you know, he's become a pretty good 200 foot player. And that basis comes around being a center and then geeky, same thing. So we're talking about, 
usually your center is your most like defensively sound forward on a line. Um, in this case, if Potter is your center, he's not. But that's okay because you have Geeky and Frederick there as well. And he it gives him a little bit of extra leeway to to learn um, from two guys that, have, that are more experienced and, um, you know, can also have his back if he needs it. But they're also bigger guys than him, which I think helps. And Frederick, it, it, at times, Patra has gotten uh, pushed around a little bit. And I think Frederick being out there with him helps with that. Um, in, in different situations, not all the time, obviously, but if need be, Frederick is, if he's on the ice with him, I think that helps. Um, so I think that line could have a pretty decent dynamic because I actually think that Potra is a very smart passer, but Geeky is also a really smart, um, just hockey player in general. We've seen him like go to different spaces on the ice, find ways to get open. Um, and also some of his passing has been creative. So I think that there could be an interesting dynamic with Patra and Geeky. Um, and Frederick's just a really hard worker and we've seen him start to bloom and you don't want to see a combination that hinders Frederick at all though. So you have to keep an eye on that because Frederick actually has been one of your best producers recently, but I see potential for that line. Uh, if, if that's the combination, if, if Patra gets back in here the next game or two. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and just a quick uh, correction. Lysel Scott, as you mentioned, is a, a right wing, not a left wing option. But just seeing the um, just seeing the opening potential opening in that line, whether he's playing as offside or not, organizationally. Uh, but yeah, Patra is, is is the natural natural option there, and uh, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. Uh, I, I did want to mention quickly, Scott uh, Mason Lori was down in Providence and left a game. Uh, was there an update on his on the severity of that injury? Because uh, last night, uh, the Bruins lineup iced Matt Grizzlick, Shattenkirk, and Forbert in the same lineup. And you know, based on their play this year, um, I in a perfect world, I would like to see Watherspoon and 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 Lori uh, getting two of those three spots in their in their top six. But Lori, I believe, is potentially injured. Again, I don't know the severity. He, like, didn't he get a skate to the – he has a skate cut, I believe. Yeah, I think I think it was to the leg. And um, Mark Giver yesterday tweeted that, uh, according to Evan Gold, who's the province Bruins GM, um, Bruins expect to get a better idea on the status of Mason Lori, who has a skate cut, after players return Thursday from the AHL All-Star break. So – should be later this week. Obviously, that's 
you know, always a scary situation when you're talking about a skate cut. We, you know, we know Lauko had him to the face earlier this year. Um, you, you hope it was relatively minor and didn't get, you know, a tendon or anything like that. Um, but right now, no, no real update there. And just the state of the Bruins blood in general, like they had to make room with Forbert coming back and just, we all here agree. Like it's great to have the depth at, at, at defense, especially NHL caliber depth, right? It's, it's never a bad thing to have a seventh, eighth guy that can, it's, it's not a bad problem to have. It's not even a problem, but what's your opinion on, on their blue line as far as just personnel? Like what, what do you feel like is the best, the best deep pairings you've seen this year and just, in terms of not just defensively, but again, um, creating offense from the D zone and transition. Um, I, I just feel I, I've liked the way the Bruins lineup has looked this year more so with Watherspoon in there and Lori in there, uh, as I have with, you know, Forbert and, and, and Shattenkirk at times and Grizzly, you know, Gr Grizzly is a polarizing option because you can put him on a top pair with McAvoy and you can also make the argument. He's your seventh defenseman. So it, he, it, it, I don't know how to feel about him all the time, but, Certainly with Shattenkirk and Forbert, like I just feel like, you know, Watherspoon and Laura, I just I think there's opportunity there. But this when when there's too many chefs in the kitchen, Don Sweeney has to make personnel decisions um to to abide by the cap and whatnot. Yeah, I, th I think it's it's increasing increasingly to me feeling like it's sort of the number one area they have to figure out leading up to the trade deadline. And we've talked about this a little, but it's like you know, I think Campus Lindholm has come around. I'm, I'm not super concerned there. Like, at the very, even if he's not playing to the level of last year, he's a really solid top four defenseman. Um, but we we've, we've talked about it. like Grizzlick has been up and down this year. It's been an inconsistent season for him. Forbert has really been battling through injuries, and I don't think he's looked very good since he's come back. Um, I don't know if he's fully, like I I honestly feel like the injury is just like it's still there like he's I don't know if it's you know how like some seasons there's a guy who plays through an injury that needs surgery but they don't they wait till the offseason to get surgery like this time it kind of feels maybe like it's something like that because he's not been 100 percent yeah and, and it's worth noting that Montgomery did clarify that uh, the most recent game that Fulbert missed the, that Philly game, the last one before the all-star break was a different injury. He said it wasn't related to the same thing that's been lingering all year. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that that other injury isn't still lingering. So the luck has just not been there yeah. for him this year, but yeah, it, you know, right now I don't, their left side to me doesn't look good enough to make a deep run. Now it, you know, can that change if you, get Forbert healthy, if, if Grizzly really picks up his play, sure. But you're, you know, you're you're running out of time quick. Like the trade deadline's a month away. So that decision on whether you need a real upgrade there has to come quick. Like that's not a lot of time for everything to kind of come together and, and really click and solidify your left side. So, um, you know, whether it's, that physical presence, like like Jake Middleton in Minnesota, that we talked about, you know, someone like that. Um, you know, I know Joel Edmondson's kind of another name that's started to to surface. Who I'm not the biggest fan of. I, I think he's more of a third pairing guy at this point in his career. Um, 
or whether it's another puck mover, like, you know, a guy we just saw who's probably going to get traded, Noah Hannafin, who's always been linked to the Bruins because he's a local guy. He's from here. There's, you know, there's teams and, and rumors of people who think even if he's not traded to the Bruins, he, he might want to sign there in the summer. So you look at that possibility. Um, but yeah, it's it like at this very moment, I, I feel like that's kind of the area they, they might need to upgrade the most uh, before the trade deadline, but that, that could still change. And, and to answer one of your questions as part of that, Brian, who's been like their best defensive pair. It doesn't, it ha- kind of have to be Lindholm Carlo recently. I feel like that's been their bit like more often than not, that's, that's been a consistent pair and that's two guys that you can, re- you can rely on most and, like. And even, even they had a rough night. Too. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, I guess we're kind of looking back to like right before yeah, the break because sure. this, this most recent game, like if we were doing who's up, who's down, just like throw them all in the down category, like just a hundred percent down. But now if we're talking about like the stretch before the break, I think Lynn home Carlo has, and it should be uh, on paper and uh, in reality, a nice reliable pair there because those are two two guys that have are high skill uh you know smart defenders so yeah and, and you know I, I think that noah hannafin is a player like we talked about him earlier this year if, if there was a trade package with for noah hannafin that featured like um lori or something like that like we talked about how yeah you make that trade because you know lori is like 23 and hannafin's 26 and hannafin's already an established top four guy in the nhl has been for years. That said, I I do think if if you if if you're trying to optimize this year's roster by giving up the least, like if you look internally, the Bruins on the blue line, they do have puck movers in McAvoy, in Lindholm, and in Lori, should they choose to uh, implement him into their lineup, um, especially in the spring. What I what I fear they don't have internally is a very hard nose, tough to play against, earn every inch of the ice you get, third pair deep defense. And like like I think you can okay, you bring Noah Hannafin in, you're getting you're getting, you know, a, a solid, solid offensive defenseman that can move the puck and create you know, offense from the D zone and transition. Lorai can do that as well, but he's not a f- polished product defensively like like Hannafin would be. But what they don't have is like, yeah, you bring in a Jacob Middleton or or a Joel Edmondson who Scott, you're right. Like he's nothing more than a third D man, third D pair guy. But I think that's what he was for St. Louis when they beat you for the cup. Like he was in and out of the lineup for that team. Um, but like, you know, the, the, the Bruins forwards like didn't have much success going to the net with him out there because he's like six foot five and loves to give you little r- cross checks to the ribs and more the, the cross checks to the ribs that don't get called because they're kind of subtle. Um, a Jacob Middleton in Minnesota, like. I think that's what the Bruins – the Bruins have enough high-end talent, I think, on the blue line. They need more of that attainable, affordable um, – you know, I hate to use the word grit, but you kind you, you need it. And, and and I think that's what they should target. I think it would be great to get Noah Hannafin, but to your point, Scott, you can get him uh, later, I think, uh, when he hit, hits free agency. Like, I think the Bruins – you want to go for it because the team is, is, is strong and the record indicates that. But I, I don't think I still think they can optimize this roster without potentially um, making anything crazy happen in the asset department. Yeah, and and you know Middleton to me is like I 
that's the guy I'd much rather target than than Edmondson because I do think Middleton can play up in the lineup too. Like he's, you know, in Minnesota, his most common partner has been Jared Spurgeon, who's you know, along with Jonas Brodin, like their top defenseman minutes wise, and they've been very successful together in San Jose. Before that, he was paired with Eric Carlson, and that pairing was really like the only good thing on an otherwise awful team. So he's a guy who's like showing he can be a nice compliment to, uh, you know, a really high end player. And, you know, you look at Carlson, you look at Spurgeon and it's like, yeah, you know, McAvoy's that kind of high end player. So perhaps Middleton could pair with him, even though, you know, like that might seem like a little too high in the lineup for Middleton on a Stanley cup team, but if it works, for five on five shifts, then, you know, then who cares? Like he, he can pair with McAvoy and still not necessarily be playing like 24 minutes a game. Like he, he could still be around 20 minutes. So um, yeah, like he, he, he really intrigues me. He's also signed for another season. So it's possible that Minnesota might say, no, we're not, we're not trading him. Like we, we expect to be in it again next year and he's part of our plans. So there's, or there's it makes him yeah. more valuable. Like it could also make him more a more valuable piece to move because you're not like, okay, we're not going to give up our draft pick or whomever for somebody that's just going to walk in two months, you know? So, um, you know, it, it changes a little bit of the, like what you're willing to, to offer, I guess. Cause you're not, you're not gonna, it's not like, okay. Like, so if you think about the Bruins trade deadline last year, you add Bertuzzi for a first overall pick, but then he's gone, you know, like, so it, it, it makes him a little bit more valuable that he could stick around if, you know, for another season. And that's also the issue with Noah Hannafin. It's like, it's kind of, it would have to be like the Lindholm deal where um, they knew he was going to sign and extend. Um, Right. So that's kind of where they would have to be. Like there would have to be an agreement there. Yeah. And and look, I, I think, and there's some NHL news we haven't gotten to yet, but it, it does have implications on the Bruins because it, it, it takes away from uh, possibilities for them. But I think it helps them direct direct their their targets going forward. So uh, Elias Lindholm goes from Calgary to Vancouver. He's off the board. We've been talking about him for you know months now about potentially being dating back to the preseason uh, off season. He's gone. Sean Monahan goes from Montreal to Winnipeg. Now, is this a very deep center, you know, class right now? Going no, not really. Um, but I think okay. So there weren't. A ton, there's not a ton of centers out there. The few that potentially could have been, they're already gone pre-deadline. Um, and by for, the way, for very for very high prices. I yeah, think. yeah. But look, I mean, I mean, Vancouver, Vancouver is. They were neck and neck with the Bruins in the standings, and they've acquired pre-deadline. Two players that I thought the Bruins, you know, should have been at least considering at some point if 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 it could work out, and that's Nikita Zadorov on the blue line and Elias Lindholm. And Vancouver was already um, having a great year, and they had those two guys. And you know, kudos to them. But as far as the Bruins go, um, and you can sit there and, and, and argue, uh, you know, the Bruins were right to not be in those players, and that's that's totally subjective and fine. I'm not going to argue argue that. But the reality is, those players are off the board, and if you're the Bruins, I think I think you're trying to target a Middleton type defenseman, like 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 we've talked about, potentially a Pat Maroon type character, tough guy. And I don't mean tough guy like like fighting, like he's from the Danbury Trashers. I'm talking just like 
have that presence in your lineup for the playoffs and then, you know, try to get another middle six forward. And I think, I think those are attainable assets. I, you're probably giving up some middle round picks and, you know, maybe, I don't know, but that's what the Bruins should target. And with certain players off the board now, it should be more apparent. Problem is everybody is probably going to be fighting for the same, you know, couple of fish, I think out there. By the way, Brian, I saw someone wearing a little lock monsters hat at the bean pot on Monday. So that's, figured you, I figured you would like that. I love that. Um, so many, so many thoughts on that. Um, Scott, would you say the lock monsters uniforms were better when they were the affiliate of the Islanders or the hurricanes? Cause I like the Islanders ones. There was more color than yeah. color in them. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have, you gotta have the purple in there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, have you have you guys seen the uh, the Danbury Trashers documentary on Netflix? Yeah, that was like a year or two ago, right? Yeah, yeah, that was really good. Like uh, ties to like organized crime and all that. That was yeah, yeah. You got you got the Rock and Triple H showing up <laughs> to a ten year old's birthday party in <laughs> Connecticut. That's funny. Um, sorry to to uh, take us off the tracks again. I've already done it at least twice today. Um, but th that's all right. Um. Anyway, so Scott, sorry. you were talking. Uh, no, not really. I was just bringing up the Danbury Trashers. I, I don't. I don't even remember what topic we were on. Honestly, no, we're we're, talk, we're talking about the uh, deadline. The the, the 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 certain players that are off the market now and whatnot. You know. Yeah. Home so, yeah. So, you know, it's fascinating with with Lindholm. It's like our last episode. I know we we talked about that athletic proposal of. Um, was it Frederick Potter and a first round pick? And as it turns out, that that is what it would have taken. Like that's it, arguably even more than that. That's that basically is what Vancouver gave up. That you know, Andre Kuzmenko, who by the way just scored against the Bruins on Tuesday in his Calgary debut. You know, that's a guy who had almost eighty points last year. I know he's having a down season, but he is a talented player. Um, first round pick, conditional fourth round pick. Um, a two defense prospects. Only one of them I'd say was a real prospect, but you know, probably just like a notch below like a tier one prospect. Like not, not quite an elite prospect, but I'm playing the kid's name, but he, he's a top scoring defenseman in the OHL right now. So, um, you know, it, it would have been a really big package that the, the Bruins would have to given up. And then even Monaghan goes for a first round pick, which, I, I would not have given up for him, honestly. Um, great job by Montreal. They 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 got a first-round pick from Calgary just to take on his contract, played him big minutes, played him in power play, you know, kind of built his career back up, got his numbers up, and then they flip him for a first-round pick. So, um, mm. yeah, pr pretty crazy prices there. Like, my take, you know – I tweeted this, but I'll say it here. Like, if I'm the Bruins, I'm fine with waiting out that sort of early flurry and seeing where prices go because right now they are at pretty crazy high levels. Um, and I think, I think you're going to see more of an arms race out west, whereas last year it, it was all the Eastern teams loading up and including the Bruins, obviously. Um, this year it felt like you know, Vancouver makes that trade because they know that Winnipeg and Colorado are also in on them. 
then Winnipeg turns around and says, well, we, we have to get the next best center because Colorado's still around on, 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 on whoever's left. And so they, they pounce, you know, Colorado's looking for an upgrade. That's, there's been talk all year about how, you know, Ryan Johansson hasn't really worked out as their second line center. So they're looking for something there. So I, I kind of feel like the Bruins and other Eastern teams are probably going to sit back and let, let all those Western teams like throw first round picks around and, and make some big deals. And, you know, then they'll kind of hope there's maybe some value left on the board somewhere. Scott, who was it that you were saying wouldn't trade his first round pick because he wanted to go to the draft? And I forget who that was. Oh, yeah, the the, the Rangers. Um, so this was so Elliot Friedman, I, I guess, alluded to this on Thirty Two Thoughts. Um, <laughs> James Dolan, the owner owner of the Rangers, Knicks, MSG, also owns the Sphere in Las Vegas, where the twenty twenty four draft is going to be held, and. Basically, what Friedman insinuated was that Dolan wants to wants the Rangers to keep their first round pick so that the Rangers can be part of the round one first night activities at the draft um, because it's at the Sphere, which sounds insane. Sounds like like an absolutely crazy reason to not trade a first round pick when you're one of the top teams in the league. But also, given that it's Dolan, he and he is very superficial really makes all the sense in the world coming coming from that uh, camp. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah, that's right. one. That's one that you're, you're going to have a hard time explaining to your your head coach and your <laughs> your uh, management team. And we're like, oh, so we can't use the first. Okay, all right, <laughs> all right. It's all about having that fun party at the Sphere. Okay. You own it. Just go anyway. Like what? I don't get it. You can do whatever you want. You you freaking own the place. So, um, oh god. Speaking of speaking of party atmosphere, and, and and I might be I might be wrong here, but I think we might be kind of finishing up on the Bruins topics. I know we're only forty minutes in, but um, speaking of party atmosphere, the the All Star festivities in Toronto. I, I did want to get to those because. There was definitely a couple of storylines coming out of there. Um, and I, I was curious, was it for you guys, was there a main storyline or takeaway from because it's not just the all-star game and the and the competition and whatnot. Certain certain uh, principles in the NHL make themselves available to the media. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody you saw any interviews or heard anything that kind of struck your ear. I have one in mind, um, but I'll throw it to you guys. The Nikita Kucherov situation just the overall the all-star weekend in general just thoughts on it storylines takeaways you said party atmosphere so. yeah i was gonna say bridget is definitely adding to the party atmosphere on youtube she has a a, a light behind her that is re- really just going crazy um, uh so the brand mine might be the same as yours but for me that the biggest news really had nothing to do with the all-star game but it's that the NHL is returning to the Olympics in 
2026 and 2030, which was expected, but is now great to have that on the record and official. Uh, there will also be in 2025, um, they're calling it the four nations face off between US, Canada, Sweden, Finland. They didn't announce the host cities, but there was a report that Boston and Montreal are the two kind of leading candidates to, to host that tournament, um, which on the one hand is, you know, pretty exciting. We'll get to see some elite international hockey at the Garden if that happens. On the other hand, the, the real bummer is that uh, the Czech Republic is not part of that tournament. Um, so you don't get to see David Posenak, the biggest star in Boston. They should have like it shouldn't be four nations. It should be like Canada, US, like Northern Europe, Eastern Europe. Like you know what I mean? Like this region of Europe, that region of Europe. Like in the past, it has been Team North America versus you know Team Europe. But yeah, you're missing out on some really good players if you're taking away like Slovakia, Czech Republic. Like there's there's plenty of other people from that part of Europe that you could have figured out, I think a way to get in. Well, And and Scott, how, how presumptuous of you to assume that it would be the TD garden. What if it's hockey town or, or warrior? Uh, what if it's, what if it's a uh, song center? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so Connor McDavid the, just banking pucks off the, off the giant wall at hockey town, the brick wall. It's like, it's like Gretzky 3d <laughs> hockey 97. Um, so, yeah, how do you guys feel about? I mean, that's the, what's the logic behind it? Because you, I, I read, I forget who it was. It was a Boston journalist that I, maybe it was Matt Porter, but mentioned I like. Think, I think it was. Assuming yeah. you're going where I think you're going. Yeah. 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 As to why it would be the four teams, and it's, and and you want to take it away, Scott. Yeah, so the main reason is that this is a completely NHL-owned and operated tournament, which means it's going to be all NHL players. And those are the only four countries with enough NHL players to fill out an entire roster. As as Matt Matt Porter pointed out, uh, there's actually only three defensemen from the Czech Republic in the NHL right now, so that's obviously not enough for a team. on the one hand, I get that. On the other, it's still it still seems pretty silly to me. Like I'm sure there's a couple floating around the AHL or you have to go to like Canadian juniors or NCA or whatever. Like you can figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, prospects can't prospects that were drafted count like as NHL. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they could yeah. also do something like they did for the um you know, for the for the for the World Cup of Hockey or, or or the whatever it was back in like 2016, like maybe yeah. To Bridges' point, maybe you do you do U.S., Canada, Finland, Sweden, and then you do a Team Europe and you know the the, the 23 and under or or something like that. You know, and and, and of course I, I should also mention like the other you know elephant in the room here is Russia is not a part of this tournament. Obviously, you could fill out a full Russia roster, but they remain banned from international competition um, because of the war in Ukraine. Um, The IIHF president said there would be a decision on Russia's potential involvement in the 2026 Olympics, you know, coming at some point, but that will, that will obviously include the, the international Olympic committee, the IOC, in addition to just um, 
you know, the hockey bosses. And Russia has been banned in the past, not for even wars, but for just like doping at like extreme levels. And like, there's been so many reasons they've not been in the Olympics or they've had to compete under the Russian Olympic committee flag or whatever. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Which, which is like another option where they're, they're not officially team Russia, but it's still, you know, a Russian team. See, I think I think you know Russia aside, and again, that's the, the whole Russia involvement thing. It's it's doesn't matter like what you think about it. Like that's just the reality of the situation. Um, so it's that's why we don't mention them. Um, but like I yeah, I think there's definitely a way to ice six teams. Like I said, you do U.S., Canada, Finland, Sweden, and then to have a and to match that right, like to match those powerhouses. Yeah, you have a team Europe that has you know. Uh, like like a Pashnak and a dry settled teams that you know can't fill out a full roster, so you kind of you give them a, a couple of superstars here and there, and then if you can ice a you know an, a twenty three and under type roster, you do that too. Like the team North America, um, international best on best is better at all is better than nothing, um, but you do kind of wish like you would get a little bit more than the four teams. But as it pertains to the Olympics, so twenty twenty six. Uh, forgive me for not knowing uh, where those winter games Italy. are. It's in Italy. I, yeah. I want to go so bad. I she had that one ready to really go. Really hard. <laughs> yes, I've looked into it. If you can tell, what city? Um, it's so it's technically like considered two cities, but the main one is Milan. But then it's also like in the mountain side of like northern Italy, like for all the skiing events and like the. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's some really beautiful places to ski up in the uh, Italian yeah, Alps. Cortina d'Ampezzo, which which has hosted the the Winter Olympics in the past, um, but yeah, now that like that'll be the the mountain home, and Milan will be the all the like the indoor sports get them to it. So that yeah, that would have been would... twenty years from, since uh, since Torino held the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I there's a there's a player for BU's women's team who's an, on the Italian national team and has been since she was like 15. So sh- she'll be getting to play like pretty much in her hometown, which would be pretty cool. I would love to broadcast some women's hockey in the Olympics, so that's why I've already looked into it. So I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but I'm like, oh, I could go to Italy this time. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to. Like Italy's on my list of places i want to get to anyways so i don't know i don't know that i don't think it's gonna be in the wei budget scott we could take a skate pod road trip (laughs) we could take a skate pod road trip well i'm hoping someone pays me to go that's what i'm hoping for (laughs) but but anyway i'll go to italy i'll find the money for italy no matter what i've been to italy so many times i was there in september that's like one of my favorite places to go so maybe you'll be maybe you'll be broadcasting that's what i hope um so so okay so my first reaction it's like uh, you wish that your reaction would be like excitement and it is but my 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 initial reaction is just like well yeah it's about time like i it's annoying because it's still two years away and it's like you know the best player the the current best players in the world like we'll all be approaching 30 right like the mcdavid's dry pasternak matthews like all these guys they're already like like they're they'll be approaching 30 and then you got to wait another four years after that so you know in in all actuality you know all these players will you know you'll get a couple olympics out of these players because they'll be they'll still be representing their countries in their mid-30s but you just wish like you just wish that 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 this was 
their all of their second Olympics. You wish you had yeah. one more Olympics with these players on best on best, and it should have been twenty twenty two. Because now it it's basically it's going to be one with all those guys in their prime, which is going to be awesome. But it, it should have been two, like two thousand twenty two. Yeah. All these guys were at the start of their primes, and 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 you really you know you missed you probably missed the crossover of, you know, you, you might've had Austin, Austin Matthews and Patrick Kane on the top line. I don't know if Kane's still going to be going in 2026. Um, you know, Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby, like both still at an elite level. Now look, maybe Crosby will still be at an elite level in, in 2026. I got, I'm not putting anything past that guy, but he'll be what? 38, 39. So um, oh my god, that you, makes me feel so old. And, oh god. And as it as it directly ties to the Bruins, you know, Brad Marchand still has never been to the Olympics and obviously would have been a lock for Canada for the last two, but the NHL didn't go. So now, you know, he already said we, we talked to him about it um on Sunday, I think, or maybe Monday. Um he said, like, yeah, that is a goal. He's already you know, made it a point to to make that a goal of his to still be playing at a high enough level and by 2026 to to make that team. But it's no with the talent that Canada has, there's no question like that is that's tough. Like that's to to make that team at age 37 will would be incredibly impressive. And again, a guy who is as driven as Marchand, I'm not going to put anything past him, but. Um, it, it would suck. Like it would suck if his game does drop off just enough to where he misses out on that team. And, you know, you're talking about, I think Brad Mushin is going to be a hall of famer and he may very well never get to play in the Olympics, which that, that last one hurt. Like that last one looked like they were going. And then all of a sudden, and like towards the end, it was like, no, actually, cause like COVID cases started going up. I'm still upset about it. Um, uh, and by the way, that would have been Bergeron's last one, uh, that like that there's a lot of, like that would have been McAvoy's first, like that would have been, there would have been a lot of really interesting storylines. Boston would have been heavily represented as well. So like there would have been, there would have been a lot of different teams to watch if you're a Bruins fan. Um, yeah, it, that one hurt. And I'm someone who once it's Olympic time don't even talk to me about anything else because like when I was in college, I forget what the hell Olympics was that. I don't know. It was. It would have been 2014, right? Sochi. Yeah. Yeah. It must've been. Um, I was in class. I don't think I learned anything those two weeks. I had my laptop open to hockey only. I was Mm -hmm. awake at 3 AM watching hockey, driving my roommate insane, driving my boyfriend insane. Um, I didn't care. I didn't hmm. want to talk about anything besides the Olympics. <laughs> well, so when is the uh, – to that point, I feel like the last – so Sochi was – in the, uh, the last two Olympics was that the, that they were, the players were in, the NHL players. It was Sochi. It was uh, – oh, Vancouver. Bang, bang, bang Vancouver was North America, yeah. I was going to say, when's the last time NHL players were playing the Olympics in North America so we could watch them at normal times? But, yeah, it was it was Vancouver. And then – um, so Salt Lake City was the last U.S. host, right? I don't know if there's, I don't know how far in advance they plan them. I don't know if it's even on the. Well, the I know, I know. Have a bid? What was that? Didn't Georgia have a bid, like Atlanta or some? Well, that would have been summer. I yeah. Think, maybe. Um, 
But yeah, I know Salt Lake City is putting together a bid for 2030, which they haven't selected yet. So you could see it back in the U.S. in you know in six years. That was I, I don't know where you guys were, but so the the um yeah the Sochi Olympics were college, but the um the the Vancouver Olympics I was in high school, and so I, like that was that was fun to watch. Um, Sydney Crosby game winner. Yeah, gold yeah. medal overtime. That was, Zach Reese they scored with like two point five seconds left in regulation, yeah. and then Crosby scored in overtime. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was backbreaking. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was, in college I, was for that one. Down, I was the biggest Sydney Crosby fan in high school. I said I want Team USA to win unless Sydney Crosby scores the game winner, and I was I was happy. <laughs> it was a good game. It was a great game. Well, and and twenty ten on the women's side, Canada beat the US yeah. in overtime, and. It was Marie Philippe Poulin who scored the winner, and she was a BU student at the time. So it was like, wow. it was crazy because it's like, man, like I, you know, I've been to a bunch of her games at Walter Brown, and like there she is, you know, I think she was 19 at that point. I mean, mm. she's still one of the best players in the world, you know, 14 years later. Yeah. I just um, broadcast that was really her game. the start of it. I just broadcast her game. What was it? Sunday. Because Montreal, she plays for Montreal. They were playing Boston at Sanga Center. Yep. And then um, Torino. Torino was in 06. I think, I think the U.S. were in and out of that tournament quicker than my algebra test lasted that week. Uh, and then 2002, that was, that was in, my, in my lifetime, uh, the, 20, the 2002 Olympics were, the fu- I think, the funnest ones to watch because I was, I was under 10 years old. But that was just such a fun tournament. Like, you, um, go play like NHL 03 with Jerome McGinley on the cover back in the, this, this is how long ago we're talking. I think, you know, uh, Vanessa Carlton was the top hit of the, of the year back then. That was, that was a fun tournament. I mean, that, that team Canada was stacked. Bridget, I'm just trying to get people, you know, the pop culture references. So, uh, you know, Vanessa Carlton, like, oh that, my that, God. That was, that was miles, you know, but that team Canada was, was an absurd. You look at that roster. I mean, I, I kind of want to pull it up, but, it was filthy, and the U.S. team was sick too. You want to know one of my other favorite like Olympic memories was T.J. Oshie just like crapping on people in the shootouts. Like T.J. Oshie just just send just keep sending them. How this. how on <laughs> God's green earth was that ten years ago? Holy smokes, what is going on? All right. Um, also, I did want to bring up the Kucherov thing. What you what were your thoughts on that? Personally, I don't care. I, I do think he was a bit of a jackass for it, like because. Nobody, nobody wants to be. None of those players want to be at the All Star Game or the All Star Weekend. First of all, it sh- it should be it should be an honor. Um, the the All Star Weekend festivities have plummeted significantly, in my opinion, in the last 15, 20 years. It's not what it used to be. Um, that said, nobody wants to be there. We all know it's it, it's 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 a fake weekend. It's kind of a mockery. But to make a mockery of a mockery, it's it's kind of just like, dude, nobody wants to be there. Like, don't don't be don't don't flatter yourself. Yeah, it, I guess in the grand scheme of things, I don't care too much. But yeah, in the moment, it's like I don't know. You know, put in an honest effort at least. Like, I, I do think most of the guys in that skills competition were were pretty into it for the most part. I think as it went on, and some guys fell further back, you kind of tell you know maybe some guys started losing interest who didn't have a chance of winning the million dollars anymore but um, hell i would i would work my ass off for an extra million dollars i know that doesn't mean a whole lot to them but also they don't get paid like nba players they're not making 56 million dollars a year like 
you know, a million, you know, but don't ever, don't ever just be like, nah, I don't need it. I <laughs> mean, like, even for the top guys, it's like, that's an extra 10% almost added to your salary. Like that's, yeah. I think, I think sometimes like these guys and, and, and John Bucciagras had a, had a tweet that was pretty, pretty long and, and, um, but it was thoughtful. But like when I like people, I think sometimes these players can lose sight potentially like the, the, the masses that you reach with, with who you are. And like when I was younger, um, my favorite team was maybe it was because of the movies, but my favorite team when I was young, young was, was the mighty ducks because of the movies and the uniforms. And I, Paul Korea was my favorite player. And I wore number nine cause he was my favorite player to watch. Not, not even so much a fashion segment, Bridget, but thanks for having the trigger. Um, <laughs> but like, my point is like, if I was younger and say I went to the 1996 NHL all-star game and, and skills competition, and I, and I saw Paul Korea like, just like looking miserable and not trying um, because you're a kid. I don't think you'd care too much. Cause you don't really know what's going on, but you like, my point is like, you have kids in, in, in uh, the air Canada center that are like, it's, he's probably their favorite player. And it's like, can you not like, just like put on an effort for like, like the kids that are there? Like that's who it's for. It's not for you. It's not for the, the parents paying for the, the seats. It's for, you know, the kids in the audience. No. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And you know, Again, ultimately, I think people still had plenty to to watch and be like Connor McDavid, obviously put on a show. McCarr, McKinnon were great. A couple of the Toronto guys were in it until pretty late, so the the hometown crowd had something to cheer about. And yeah, it, it was just kind of, it was kind of bizarre to see because it was like he clearly just gave up. Um, and you know that that was like the end of his night. Like it, other guys struggled in the. Um, like the target shooting, the accuracy, like Pasternak struggled a little bit in that one. And then Leon Dreisaitl really struggled and took like a minute to hit all four. But it's like, you could tell he was at least trying, you know, for whatever reason, he just didn't have a shot going. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kucherov just totally mailed it in, um, you know, which I don't know about you guys, but like, if you're already forced to be there, like you're there, what the hell does it hurt you to just like sp- uh, expend some energy for five minutes? Like it, that's what I don't get. Like if I'm in a location and I'm already there, I'm there. Like I'm doing it the right way because otherwise, like why even be there? You know? So I, I, that's my thing. Like what did, what did it hurt to, to do it? I also really could care less. He's not someone that I was particularly interested in how he was going to do in that, but whatever. Like, yeah. One of the, I think one of the funniest tweets to come out of the weekend though, is someone quoted that video and just put like, this is Pierre Luke Dubois every game. <laughs> it's, well, he's, he's, he's bouncing around team to team and, and no coach seems to like him, but that, that is hilarious though. Well, now he's got another coach to try because uh, the Kings fired theirs. Not that it was all because of Dubois, obviously. Like that whole team right. is just falling apart. But that was another, you know, fairly but you do feel- league, league story over the break. Yeah, and he was someone that we talked about last deadline. Like, I, I don't know. Good thing that that didn't uh, come to fruition. But you, you feel like he's one of the players Dowdy was talking about when he was like, you know, players are in it for themselves oh, yeah. and whatnot. That um, was that was like we don't hear that in Boston at all. So when I heard mm. like, and I don't hear even hear that in like college, I don't know. Um, that was the first time in a while I've heard someone just completely throw their team under the bus like that. And, and you want to know what? I don't even, I wouldn't even call it throwing them under the bus. He's being honest. Like you just don't really usually see it play out in the media, but he's clearly frustrated and just like totally had it with their shit. 
Yeah, it's like like you might expect, you know, John Tortorella to say that at some point, but like not not a player, you know, not not no. about his teammates. And and obviously Drew Doughty has the cachet to to say that, especially with, with that franchise. Like he he knows what a team that is committed like a cup contender looks like. So um, I would you know, I mean good good on him on calling it out, but I would love to see him just like yell, yelling at those guys in the locker room, like whoever that was directed at. Like, I want a follow up video of him being like, Yeah, I was talking about you. Like, fucking try harder. One, one final takeaway I had from, from All Star Weekend was uh, Gary Bettman speaking with the media and being kind of asked about NHL uh, expansion, relocation. And boy, uh, he doesn't seem like he's in a rush to get Quebec a hockey team or anybody. Basically his, his, his tenor was, I don't care who you are, where you are. You, you got to fill out certain requirements and, and be willing to pay the piper. And, and, and if you do that, I'll, I'll be interested in you. From what I understand and it's from like an, a source, like not that I have many, but um, they're, they actually are really not like they'll entertain the idea of adding Quebec, but I was told they'll never go back to Quebec. Never. Like, doesn't matter about the facility. I was told that it's not an option to go back to Quebec City um, for, believe it or not, like political reasons. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't 100% understand it, but there's like, there, there's some politicking that has to do with Quebec City and um, I think French Canadian people in general, my people. Um, but yeah, um, like <laughs> someone was telling me that like, it's not as bad anymore, at least as far as I know, but like there's like a real separatist movement there at certain times throughout like Quebec's history, where it's like, we don't mm. even want to be part of Canada. So yeah. Um, I mean, that that's always been there. I think. Yes. It, it, it would, it would definitely have to be a relocation. Like, I don't think it, they would, it would never be an expansion team that goes to Quebec. I don't think um, the problem is, is like, yeah, you think any Canadian market, okay, obviously they're going to be passionate, they're going to care, there's you know going to be fans. But internationally or at like a league-wide level, they are outside of Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, like they are relatively small markets. And you even see that in Winnipeg, who is like bottom third of the league in attendance this year with a really good team. And it's like, because they have a small building and they're not even filling it. And it's like, okay, well, if, if Winnipeg itself isn't coming out, like then where's the interest league wide? Like you're not putting Winnipeg on national TV games, despite how good they are, because there just isn't that wider attention or care for that market. Well, um, and Quebec and, would be the same way. And it's oh, just like, literally per capita, there's fewer people that could go. Or like fewer people that would watch. Like you think, you guys think Quebec would have would have trouble filling filling the, filling those stadium that those. Oh, seats? I don't think not not initially there. not initially that they'd probably immediately sell out for three years. But if they're not if they're not a playoff team year four five six, then what happens? Like, is the interest going to stay there? Because if it starts to go south, like it's. It's just, it's hard to get it back and there's no, there just isn't enough attention and care like for that market to keep a team there, you know, afloat or relevant or whatever. It's like that team has to be a contender 
to really make an impact at like a league wide level. But is that a is that a Quebec thing or is that just in general? Because I mean, we saw it here in Boston. Uh, they had a couple of down years, and it took until a playoff push in 07-08 for the Garden to get full again. Um, it was half full for about two or three years there after the lockout. Um, I mean, Arizona, they finally sold out when they moved to a 2000C college rank. Um, you can't tell me. Not that you were saying out. this. Not that you're saying this, but, like, I mean, there's a lot of markets where if the team's not good, the interest will go right to college football or anything, really. Uh, I don't know why yeah, Quebec but, would be. Well, I think the difference is that, like, with Boston, there's a baseline where it's like, even if they're a fringe playoff team, you can throw them on national TV and people will tune in. And obviously, you know, there's only a certain number of markets that are like that, but it it does make it tougher. And like, let's just be honest, the US TV market is way bigger than the Canadian TV market. So the NHL cares more about US viewership. Like that that's just the financials of it um so they're i think they're always gonna be biased towards u.s markets which to bring this all the way back around if there is going to be a new city that gets a team at any point right now it's going to be salt lake city and it would most likely be with arizona relocating which sounds like something that could be coming towards a head um frank Valley reported on i think this was on tuesday that like a decision on Arizona's future could come as early as this weekend. Um, like it seems like things are really kind of at very quickly getting to a point of no return where it's like, they better have a plan in place and shovels in the ground or a new arena or they're on the move because I don't know if you guys heard Marty Walsh, who's a, you know, obviously former Boston mayor and now NHLPA president or whatever his title is. Um, he like ripped into Arizona and, and the coyotes and it was like, basically said it's an embarrassment and this has to be figured out because playing four or five more years at Mullet Arena is just straight up not an option. Hmm. I mean, yeah. it doesn't seem like it should have ever been an option, but no. like, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's like, how many, what's the capacity? Like 2,000? Like, that's four, fewer for than... Hockey, it's like 44,000 or 4,500 or something. Okay, that's smaller than the Sangha Center. Yeah, there's less like for people who like want a frame of reference. That's smaller than a lot of the hockey East ranks. <laughs> hey, we love Songus on this podcast. Yeah, we do. I'm saying um, relocate the Coyotes to the Songus Center. <laughs> yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> Problem solved. The little Coyotes. I like that. It's got a nice little ring to it. Every game's an away game there's for them. Plenty of freaking Coyotes around here. I'll tell you that. So it would make sense. Yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah, no, I mean, all good points, um, Scott. I, I I know the NHL; uh, they obviously prioritize the uh, the US the US market. I, I get that. Um, you know, I just there's so many rivalries to be had um, with Quebec. I mean, imagine if just just hypothetically say say the say the Florida Panthers moved up to Quebec City, and you got Barkov and Reinhardt and Matthew Kachuk. You know. It, representing Quebec city and they're playing Toronto and Montreal and Boston. I just love that so much. Um, oh, I, I would love it for sure. I'm like, I love Quebec city. So it's so nice. I, so I have city. to make some trips up there. That'd be great. My it's people. such a great city. Yeah. People. I, I guess like it, here, here, here's where I'll, where I'll leave it. Like 
I understand they prioritize the U.S. market. If as long as you're gonna have Canadian teams, like for example, Winnipeg, like I'd rather them be in Quebec City than Winnipeg. They're never not gonna have Canadian markets. So one of those, I just, I'd rather it be Quebec over Winnipeg. Maybe that's the easy switch, but I don't know if that would ever happen. Um, in any event, Bridget Scott, we've gone a little bit long here. Uh, boy. An hour, 10 minutes. We talked about the Bruins for about 35. So <laughs> they should I, was hopefully... done, I was done after my opening shift. When I was yeah. Just like, Meh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but Maybe we we'll didn't get... talk about, we never talked about the Philly cheesesteaks. Thank God. Cause I'm still hungry. And <laughs> thanks for not bringing up food at, at any point in time. Cause I haven't. Well, this, is a, yet. this is the second time today. Bridget's brought up food and telling us not to bring up food. Yeah. So maybe we gotta, <laughs> I think we need a new banner at the bottom for, for, uh, for food segments. But yeah. in the meantime, I think that probably wraps up. Do you have anything left to talk about? No, I other than qu quick look ahead. Like you got the Vancouver Canucks team with the best record in the NHL coming in on Thursday and should, should be a marquee matchup, but obviously the Bruins are going to have to bring a much better effort than, than what they showed on Tuesday. Absolutely. All right, Scott. Thanks for your time, Bridget. You keep you keep uh, party rocking over there, and we will talk to you all on. Good luck in your your search for your your secret admirer. Yeah, guys. If anyone, leave a comment if it was you. Um... Right, be, be careful what you wish for over there. Be careful what you wish for. Um, but yeah, anyway, of our viewers know where I live, but that's so let's hope, hopefully, let's hope. Hopefully not. I'd be a little concerned. Uh, <laughs> let's hope not. Is this from Scott? Is this from you? I'll, I'll never Was tell. It for a woman in sports night, but it showed up a day late. Okay. Oh, brother. Definitely Scott. <laughs> Maria in Watertown, if it was you, please, please speak up. <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you Friday morning after the Bruins Canucks.